0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 16 of the Trap Rock 101 podcast from Pirates and Poets. I am your host, John Burns. My guest this week is the one and only Kristen McFadden from the Chicago Parrothead Club. You might be familiar with Kristen from uh, Facebook. She is active in the Parrothead Trap Rock world. She's super active in our community. So uh, those of you who don't know her personally might be familiar with her from social media. Um, I'm going to tell you more about her in just a second, but first, I want to remind you what this podcast is all about. This is the uh, the podcast, the radio show, where we go deep into people's backstory, uh, artists and community members of the Trap Rock genre, Trap Rock community. We talk about how they, uh, they got into Trap Rock music, whether it was through Jimmy Buffett or other avenues, Talk about how they got involved in the community and uh, and really get you up to speed on their backstory. Uh, lots of podcasts really concentrate on people's current projects, what they're doing recently. We we kind of flip a script and really talk about the backstory. Our goal is to create a oral history of the trap rock genre and trap rock community. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. You can find us online at piratesandpoets.net. dot uh, We're on iTunes. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, all the major podcast platforms. So if you want to check us out and subscribe to us on one of those, that would be great. Back to Kristen McFadden. Um, Kristen, as I said, does a lot of things. Longtime member of the Chicago Paradise Club and a uh, wife of Billy Bream. You've probably heard about Billy Bream lately. Uh, he's been in the, the news, per se, in our community. Um, but Kristen is... I want to use the word architect. Kristen is the architect of the Trap Rock Strong movement that has raised a ton of money this past four or five months for the uh, TRMA Artist Relief Fund. Thank you, Kristen, for everything you've done on that. Um, and, she, and, and the whole, In addition to raising money, the Trap Rock Strong brand has really just kind of united people behind the music. I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, I, I hope Kristen is half as proud of what she has done as... As a lot of us are for her, because it's been a great thing, the Trap Rock Strong. Check that out, TrapRockStrong.com. Uh, we talk about Key West in a few weeks. A lot of us are heading down to Key West for what is traditionally meeting of the minds. This year, it's Trap Rock Strong Week, so visit TrapRockStrong.com if you're heading down to Key West to find the full schedule of stuff going on, lots of shows from lots of great artists. Um, besides Trap Rock Strong, Kristen is uh, a longtime member of the Chicago Paradeau Club. We talk about Summer Chill. We talk about her background uh, as a Jimmy Buffett fan and some of the work she's done with different trop rock artists. And uh, we also talk about a brand new concept that just got announced yesterday, and that is uh, within Saltwater Independent Music, within the swim club, we are going to have the kiddie pool. The kiddie pool is our way of reaching out to guppies. The guppies are uh, what traditionally parrot heads would call parakeets, so Uh, Saltwater Independent Music is definitely going to have a branch of our organization that is uh, getting the kids and youngsters involved. Uh, Kristen's heading that effort up, so uh, we talk about that as well. Lots of good stuff here. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, here it is, Kristen McFadden.
1: So I became a Buffett fan um, early in life. I actually have been following Jimmy since I was a teenager, And not because my parents were fans. Um, I discovered uh, Son of a Son of a Sailor when I was 18 years old and just absolutely fell in love with the music. And I was fortunate enough to have some friends who also really loved um, that type of music, even though we were diehard rock and roll fans from the 70s. like Going to concerts was what we did. But every summer when Jimmy came, we went to a Jimmy concert just to do the tailgating and, and to have the summer party. And um, yeah, so I've been, I've been a fan for a long, long time. And I raised my kids on Jimmy and my granddaughter's being raised on Jimmy. So we're Parrot Heads three generations now.
0: Wow. And uh, did, you, did you grow up in the Chicago area or somewhere else?
1: I did. I grew up um, in Oak Park and then moved to Elmhurst, Illinois, and they're both suburbs of Chicago. Um, and so we have such a diverse uh, diverse genres of music in, in Chicago um, that, you know, growing up, my parents, my grandparents, I lived in my grandparents' home, they listened to all types of music. So I've been a music lover, even though I'm not a musician by any means myself, um, but I am a music lover uh, from way back.
0: And what would what were Buffett shows like back in the day? I mean, obviously, he probably wasn't playing the arenas and stadiums like that back in the 70s. So where did he play in Chicago back then? Was he playing clubs? Was he playing theaters? What was it?
1: No, actually, he was still playing some of the big theaters um, around Chicago. And we had Poplar Creek and we had Tinley Park was, was uh, open early on. And they were pretty big venues. Actually, they were always outside venues. Never, I don't, I don't ever remember seeing Jimmy inside. Um, and by today's standards, they were pretty cheesy. I mean, you know, there were cardboard cutouts on the stage, and um, you know, different different players And, you know now. Different coral reefers. Um, But the music, you know, that's what you went for. It was always a party. There were conga lines up and down the aisles. Um, You know, just people still singing every word to every song. Um, A lot, as different as it was, a lot hasn't changed to going to a concert now.
0: So I want to, while we're on the the subject of Jimmy Buffett, I want to fast forward, you know, 25 or 30 years. I know you're a big Cubs fan. Huge! So I'm sure you were at Wrigley Field in 2005.
1: I was, I was, and I was there again the second time around. Um, yeah, that was that was a great time. Um, that whole year was magical for Cubs fans, uh, as you can imagine. But I grew up loving and um, being at Wrigley Field, so being able to see Jimmy at Wrigley Field was absolutely spectacular. I, I I don't have words actually to describe it, especially being a Cubs fan uh, like I am.
0: Yeah, that's that was uh, in, insane for me because that was my first visit to Wrigley Field and my first full-blown Jimmy Buffett concert. I say full-blown Jimmy Buffett concert because he did play uh, my hometown of Fayetteville, Arkansas, for the Walmart Shareholders Convention. And that was like a 45-minute, show that was just songs, you know, by heart, pretty much straight through, you know, so I count that as like a half show. So yeah, right. Labor Day 2005 was my first full blown Buffett show and my first time at Wrigley Field. And I did not know what to do with myself at all.
1: Yeah, I'll bet. And the thing is, is um, whether you were a Cubs fan or a Sox fan, uh, you're just a Chicago fan, a Jimmy fan, people came from all literally all over all around the country to come see him at Wrigley Field because we've got Cubs fans all around the country and the the party everyone you met was just so happy they were happy about the Cubs they were happy that Jimmy was there um it was yeah it's just magical honestly it was the only it, it was i'll tell you i saw i got to see Jimmy at uh, Fenway Park And that was amazing too. But when it's your own hometown and your team, um, that was, it's really crazy. Um, And what's really nice is I happen to have um, Peter Mayer's Cubs jersey that the Cubs organization gave him, and uh, he gave it to me. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he he signed it, and and I'll, you know, I'm going to treasure that until I figure out a something to do with it where I could maybe help some people along the way. But yeah, that whole time was just absolutely amazing.
0: So connect the dots for Chicago Parrotheads go from the late seventies, son of a son of a sailor air to Buffett at Wrigley field in 2005. How did that kind of, for, for the Chicago market, how did that progress?
1: Yeah. I, and I have to be honest with you. I didn't know anything about Parrothead clubs way back in the day. Um, through the 80s, I kind of skipped. I was busy having having children and kind of skipped a lot of music uh, venues and, and concerts. And um, I would still would go see Jimmy every couple of years. But it wasn't until really about 15, 14, 15 years ago when I met Billy that I even – discovered that there were parrot, like official Parrothead clubs that you could belong to. And at that time, Billy was a charity director, I believe, of the Chicago Parrothead Club. And when I found out that there were concert tickets and there were, um, you know, events to go to and charitable, fun, you know, stuff that, you know, there's a whole party with a purpose that was all brand new to me. And after my first couple of events, I had a blast. I love love all the parrothead clubs and the, and the parrothead mem- members. Um, they're they're just they're amazing people. They're amazing people. But it really it it I didn't know that they were. It was a thing and, until I met Bill. And I'm uh, I'm certainly glad that I I did. I'm glad glad I discovered all the parrotheads.
0: Yeah, it's quite a um, quite a I think it's a big difference. I think for people who have been, uh, they've been parrot heads in the sense of, I love Jimmy Buffett's music for a long time, but right. they don't know that the clubs exist. I, I personally, just to keep things simple for myself, I don't call people who go to one Jimmy Buffett concert a year and that's it. I don't call them parrot heads. I call them Jimmy Buffett fans. I, you know, I call the people that you and I get to hang out with all the time. Parrot heads.
1: Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. I do the exact same thing, John. I, you know, I look at people and, and uh, I'll I'll say to to uh, friends or um, acquaintances, you know, hey, have you heard of Jimmy Buffett? You know, parrot head clubs. There's there's clubs out there, and they're like, well, I don't want to belong belong to a club. I just really go to party. And I'm like, oh, okay. So and that's okay. I mean, yeah. it's great to be a fan, but you know, those. Those folks out there, um, they they go for that party and they go for the you know the twenty songs that are played at every single solitary concert. Mm-hmm. But those of us who are who are true Parrotheads, like we we know the oldies, right? I mean, we we know the songs that most people don't know the words to, and and um, we remember where we were at a certain time. We connect a song with a place and a concert and the people we were with at the time. That's what I love about parrotheads, true parrotheads.
0: Yeah, and I kind of think um, the some of the difference there is the folks who go to the concert they they don't really want to be involved involved in the day to day. They are really the escapism people, you know. I would agree. Those of us who are in the clubs and are involved in Trap rock, we are we're living more of a lifestyle than we are escapism. If that makes sense, um, it's a it's a week to week, day to day thing for us, not. Uh, once or twice a year thing. So
1: I agree with you. And you know, you know you're in the presence of a true parrot head, um, and we've all been there when you walk into a house and, and you see a room or you see a backyard or you see a tiki bar or something. You just know. You, know you you can tell that even though here in Chicago we have brutal winters, but we live like we are on vacation every single day. You know, our our the way not just when we travel, the way we live day to day, the people that we hang with, the music that we listen to. And sure, we listen to other types of music and we do other things. Um, but, you know, our social circles revolve so much around um, hanging out with people who live similar lifestyles and sing the songs that just bring us right back there to those places that we want to be all the time.
0: Yeah, so when did you meet Billy now? About the same
1: Right. So I, I met Bill um, about, you know, we're always we're always trying to figure out how many years ago. <laughs> Everyone knows exactly to the day and the time they met someone, and we're not those people. Um, so about 14, 15 years ago, maybe, um, we actually met at um, an Irish fest, which is our other love, um, all things Irish and Irish music. And um, we became good friends, and we turned into dating partners and uh, living partners. And um, yeah, and, and, and then six years ago, we we got married finally. Um, but yeah, I've, I've known him for about 15 years, and, and I've always known him to be um, a, a true diehard Parrothead. I mean, you know, he's always one of the things I respect about Billy is he's always looking out for other people, always, always at Party With a Purpose is always in the back of his mind, so, um uh, but going to my first concert with him was a real trip uh because i didn't realize I didn't realize how big of a parrothead he actually was, and like I said, who these parrot head club members were until my first concert, and wow, what a party, and how couldn't I meet a a better group of of people and um everyone welcomed me like I'd been there for twenty years, and um it was just great it it's It's super fun to go to. Uh, any event, but especially a concert with, with Bill Brame. I'll tell you that much.
0: <laughs> so did you meet Billy and then join the Chicago Club or join the Chicago Club and then meet Billy? How would that work?
1: No, I didn't know anything about Chicago Clubs until Bill. So I'm, I, I met Bill and uh, went to a couple of events as the other woman kind of thing. you know. And I don't mean that, in that he was dating anybody else. I was kind of get the new girl, I guess. Yeah. And they were just, you know, regular events that uh, people had, in, you know, at the tropical bars nearby and met some of the fine people of Chicago. And um, I kind of tiptoed into the Parrothead Club. Uh, Bill was a crew member for as long as I can remember. I kind of was on the outskirts and I, I joined some of the events and, and activities when, you know, when I felt like it. Um, and then... I went to our first um, club music event, and I was just all in. After that, it, it, just the the music, the bands, the musicians, the um, the people being involved giving all that money to charity um, it was like it was like uh, oh, like a like a lost calling that I didn't know that I had and then once I got involved in it I knew there was no turning back you know I always say some people go to church every Sunday and, and I respect that I grew up in the church um, but when I got divorced my husband got the church and I haven't gotcha. been to the church back But the P- Parrothead club and um, the trap rock world. They're like my church The the things that we do and the, the people that we help feel like my church and I'll never, I'll never leave it. I'll never leave it. I'm a lifer.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of us that are lifers at this point Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure the real world <laughs> will take a lot of us back if we tried to go back. But.
1: <laughs> right. <clears throat> But we're in good company, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what was your first event? Where, where did you first really become aware that that the Bo Drunks existed or Jim Hain existed, you know, that there was more than just cover and tribute bands out there?
1: Yeah, actually, it wasn't an event. You know what happened is uh, we were at a club meeting, and one of our members, Ron Horn, came up to me and was talking to me as a new person, a new club member. And we were talking about music, of course. And he said to me something, I'll never forget he said this to me. John, he says, Kristen, you know, there's more to Trap Rock than Jimmy Buffett. And I was like, what's he talking about? Like, who's he talking about? I, I had no idea. I know, I know Jimmy Buffett and Kenny Chesney and, you know, Zach was just kind of starting out. But really, I don't know who he was talking about and I didn't pay much attention. And then Ron Horn arranged for Scott Kirby to come to Chicago and play at a venue. And I went to that venue and saw that, um, that live performance. And I, I, it was like, what is this music? And and it like, it makes me want to go on a boat and it you know makes me want to go on vacation. Um, it was absolutely great. And shortly after that, Another member of our Chicago club had what we consider to be our very first house concert, and it was Hugo Duarte. And Hugo, I don't know if you know Hugo, but uh, or if you knew him, um, he played uh, from his heart and his and his soul. And I was mesmerized by his music. And the second year he came to um, Chicago to play at the house concert, he brought Bob Banerjee and Dave Matchett and um, some other of his friends over. And that was when I knew, okay, I don't know what is all with this, these musicians and, and um, where they get this music or what it's called, but I am all in on this. And Um, Yes, we had our first event. The first one that I went to in Chicago, the boat drunks were there. And back then, we just in Chicago, we just used people that were local. I didn't, you never heard of people traveling through the Midwest from Florida or, you know, California or Texas. And as the years went on, and we got to know some of the other people um bill and i got hooked on going to fest again it kind of goes back to my roots of going to all those concerts in the 70s so we have been out west we've been to laid back attack and fins to the west and uh we've been down southwest we've been to lone star luau in the midwest we've been to the ozarks fest and Plain and given and uh, uh the surf ballroom and summer chill and down south music on the bay and meeting of the minds of course but when you go to all of those events, all unique in their own way, you get to meet so many of the artists and the musicians there. And it's hard not to just be taken in by um, their message and just their, their personalities and just the people that they are. This is why I think unique about our genre, drop rock. Um, they come, they come and talk to you. Like we know who they are. We know them like they know, we know their families and we know, you know, their, their struggles and their successes. And we've seen them move up the ladder and down the ladder and we know their health issues. And I mean, we like literally feel like they're family to us. And no other genre of music makes me feel that way. And I don't know if that's just me. I I suspect it's not, but I love that. I love that about our about our trap rock world.
0: Yeah, and you know, you use the phrase genre there, but I, I would almost say more community because you know people, people use the word trap rock interchangeably. Um and, and I'm saying this as a TRMA board member here. There's trap rock the genre, which is you know a fairly strictly defined thing, and then there's the trap rock community that includes people like Drop dead dangerous, or Eric Erdman that you know the music Stop they make is not it, right, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I mean, I think it's the community more than the genre, you know, even um that Brendan Mayer called it, I can't remember exactly what he called it, but something like the last great bastion of independent music or something like that, you know where where you could do this door to door house concert to house concert kind of existence for the musicians.
1: I agree. It's totally a community. And again, what other, um, community music community slash genre slash performers, whatever, how, I mean, what, where else do you find them literally in your backyard, you know, or up the street or at your favorite bar or, you know, in your kitchen making oatmeal in the morning? I mean, um, You know, you're right. It, it, it's so much more than a genre of music. And, um, you know, the community is the very best way to describe it. It really is.
0: Yeah. A couple of stories I'll share kind of more about, really about the fans more than anything. Um, a few years ago at the Surf Ballroom on a, the second day of, of Island Pieper Showcase, Bart, and it's like nine o'clock in the morning. It's me and Bart and the sound crew. We're the only people in the venue. And the head of security comes over to Bart and I. And he's like, I got to show you all this. I have to show you all this. And we're not real sure if he's like excited about something, mad about something, like what he's going to show us. He pulls out his phone and shows us a picture of a beer can. And Bart and I both had the same thought. And it was like, is this guy about to jump our asses because somebody left a beer can on the floor? You know, (laughs) no, he was not about to jump our asses. He was thrilled because that was literally the only thing they had to pick up off the floor. Oh, fun. He proceeded to tell us that they use snow shovels, which I don't know what a snow shovel is, but, uh, <laughs> but that's what they usually use to pick up beer bottles and cans off the floor in the surf ballroom after a show. So he was just beside himself about that. And then uh, it might've been that same year at the Lone Star Luau um, where, where things are winding down. And Tom is like, Hey, we, we have to be out of here by midnight. Like we have to be picked up out of here, locked up at midnight or they're going to charge us this, this late fee. And, you know, he and I are backstage, and I'm looking out the door and all these chairs, you know, 400 chairs out there. And Tom's like, you think if we made an announcement, everybody would help us pick up the chairs? And I'm like, yeah, they probably would, you know. And the show keeps going, and we forget about it. And uh, the show's over. J.D. Spradlin's thanking everybody. He's the MC, And, like, he says, good night. And about that time, I think, oh, we need to tell him about the chairs. Before I could get to J.D. and uh, make him – having make that announcement, people started stacking all the chairs up all on their own.
1: Yeah. Those are our people. That's what we do. Yeah, I know. And I, you know, I've got stories like that as well. I'm calling people on the phone at summer chill saying, okay, wait, did we forget to pick up that stuff that we should have blown, you know, blow candles or whatever. I mean, people just kind of step up and, and, um, you know, at all of these events, all of these events, I I can't think of one where people don't come up and say, at some point, what do you need? Or if you need anything, just let me know. Or, you know, take my number, text me if you need someone to make a run for you. And as you know, John, you know, I run, you know, our green room for Summer Chill. And so we've got people that volunteer to run up and get the Italian beef and the the Chicago-style pizza and, you know, more ice. And and, um, I, I don't, we never have to assign that to somebody. There's just people that walk by and say, what do you need? I'm like, ah, you know, two bags of ice would be awesome. Next thing I know, I've got eight bags of ice lined up in a freezer and the hotel's hanging on to them for us. I mean, it just, it's, yeah, it's just such a big community. And, you know, like Parrot, you know, it's like Parrot Heads. That is partying with a purpose. And, you know, sometimes the, the purpose is, is not always just giving money to a charity. Sometimes the purpose is the community and the people coming together and, you know, just enjoying what's happening and helping each other out and, um, you know, putting smiles on other people's faces. And I mean, you, you know, you go and you see people who are, you know, in their thirties and people who are, you know, in their seventies easily. And, Um, it, it seems to cross all those boundaries and it doesn't matter how old you are. Everybody is there for the same reason. Everybody jumps in and helps It is, it's just one big community.
0: Yeah. You, you, you know, kind of compared it to a church earlier and, you know, churches do a lot of good things, uh, in the greater community. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes they're, they're, I would think that their greatest asset is just that they, they give you a a group of people that feel like home. And that's Mm -hmm. the same thing here with with
1: I totally agree
0: these clubs and, and the people who go to the events and all that kind of stuff so
1: yeah they're your family and you know what's cool when you go to an event and you haven't seen someone for two years because they live across the country from you and sure you see something on now we're lucky we've got social media you might see a picture and you might like something or make a post a comment but when you see them in person um, you know, before social distancing, you know there was arms stretched out and everyone's hugging, and and you go back mm-hmm. like you've never missed a beat in two years, and I mean those kinds of friends are, you know, they're we're we're just blessed to have them in our community. I'll tell you.
0: Yeah, it's a. Uh, I, I laugh when I think about the fact that I got into this. How it was? I I think I was twenty. I was twenty three when I joined a parrot club. Um
1: oh, that's young.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I was president of the Pear Club. So nice. <laughs> it's, it's like the only, it's the only thing I've ever done in my whole adult life. You know, I mean, it's, uh, I I haven't really been involved in the church or, you know, any other kind of civic organization. This is like the only thing I've ever done. And I'm like, yeah, that that's part of the reason you see Danielle and I, and some of the other younger people, you know, really getting in, involved in some of the more political long-term talks is because like, we don't want to be, 50 or 55 and alone, you know.
1: Right. And I think there's room, um, you know, to bring in younger folks. Um, We know they like the music, you know, my, you know, my my boys are in their thirties and, you know, my son, my granddaughter, you know, they're huge fans, but they're not just, they're becoming trap rock fans as well. Um, You know, I'll walk in the house and I'll hear uh, Isabella playing on the, on the Alexa, you know, uh so i know they're listening to other things besides just jimmy buffett right. um but but i think that that's an important thing that we as a community a, a trap rock community need to do too is um think of some ways to reach out to our younger uh you know our younger members or just younger folks who enjoy the music and the same feeling and and doing the same things that we we enjoy and um bringing them you know into the into the community
0: yeah and i think um, I had this discussion with a musician not too long ago. I think that there's a lot more people in the 30 to 50 range that are really interested in everything. than than people realize what happens is, is, um, you know, you got kids, um, pe- people, 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 my age group, we have kids, we have jobs that we're not getting paid a ton yet. Usually we don't have a lot of time off yet. Usually. So it's hard for most people in my age bracket um to, go to a lot of events, especially to go to Key West, you know, which right. you're going you're gonna to burn a day just getting there and get two days of vacation, just getting there and getting back. Right. Um, I, I think probably where you see more younger people involved is, uh, you know, at the club level and the smaller stuff, uh, smaller events, the stuff they can drive to. Um, but I, I think there's plenty of people there. We just have to hang on to them so that when they, get to their late forties, fifties, and they have more disposable income, more disposable time, they can start coming to the big events and stuff. So.
1: I agree. And one thing, you know, that's interesting that you bring that up. Um, when I first started the, not started, when I first um, joined the club, so that would have been about 15 years ago or so, there were a lot of, the Parrot Head Clubs, there were a lot of kid-friendly or keet friendly um, events Um, at least in Chicago, there were several a year, uh, whether it was sledding or, you know, uh, meeting at the lake or whatever it was, you know, going to a haunted house, a pumpkin, whatever, you know, whatever. Kids were, you know, baseball games. Kids were there. Well, those kids, our kids are grown. And so they've kind of, that a lot of our key friendly activities have gone by the wayside because we don't have any Keats. But like you said, you know, younger people who have kids, if we can get them involved in our community, whether it's Parrot Head community or Trap Rock community, uh, if we can get them involved and have, go back to having some of those kid friendly events, we might attract those um, younger members to really kind of get involved in the clubs in the way and the activities in the way that a lot of us are who are a little bit older. I'd love to see that happen.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, this was going to be the last thing on my agenda here, but while we're talking about, let's just go ahead and and talk about saltwater independent music and the kiddie pool and the guppies, as I think we're going to call them. So yeah, Yeah. that was just announced today. uh, We're recording this on September 30th that uh, you are going to be the lifeguard for the kiddie pool and swim.
1: Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Um, First, you know, congratulations on SWIM. This is really, really an exciting, um, you know, venture. I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, yeah, one of the things that I reached out to Danielle and you early on, I think, when we, were, when we had heard that there was going to be a SWIM and there was going to be a whole theme around pools was a kiddie pool. Um, and, again, my thought is, of course, I go there. I get it. I'm a, I'm a retired kindergarten teacher, so my mind kind of, you know, travels that way. But in just what, what, what we were talking about, with the lack of a lot of kid-friendly events in the Parrothead world, it would be nice if there was a place where we could connect, you know, the, the two groups together, but in, invite, you know, those kids, grandkids, um, you know, pe- people's children um, mm-hmm. to some more of these events. And so uh, the idea I had with the kiddie pool was to really provide some resources and events and songs and books that really um, are a part of the escapism, the, the trapper community, um, you know, uh, um, just doing, being kind to others, being a you know, being a group of of, of people that help each other, um, and, and having those available to um, folks who are part of SWIM. With the uh, what I would really like to do with the forward thought of eventually planning events that are very kid friendly, um, you know, in the, my biggest idea is like a little meeting of the minds for kids. Now, of course, it wouldn't be four days long or something, but you right. know, what if you had a weekend, you know, at different parts of the country, and you had a um, a water park or a or a, a aquarium. A res- Oh, it was whatever, wherever it is, aquarium, whatever it is. And you get folks to bring your kids and, and, you know, you do a, a club activity, you know, at that and, and, you know, do something to help the community as well. And, you know, tie in the music. I just love this idea. And, you know, thank you to Jerry and you and Danielle for allowing me to kind of, um, practice this on you guys and see where it goes. Um, And I would, I would love to really uh, create a guppy community and, um, and I love, and I love the term. I love the guppies. I I, I just love that. So um, yeah, that's my hope. And, and um, I'm hoping to get some people all around the, the uh, country to help me out. Um, It's nice to be in Chicago, but I do need a little help from the other parts of the country Uh, where the weather is a little different to uh, just plan these different events. So that is, that's on my radar for the future, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to some great things.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I mean, a, as a parent, um, you know, my, my kids are nine and almost six. They've grown up going to Hannah's reef shows. I mean, my daughter was at a gig when she was two weeks old, I think probably. Um, I mean,
1: raising them right
0: (laughs) yeah i mean you know jerry is is like literally you know uncle jerry and and my kids donnie and kitty and mel are all as far as my kids are concerned they really are aunt and uncle you know um
1: nice but there's
0: so many other kids that i think you know could that would love to be in that environment um and, and and we can do things to make make uh certain events more kid friendly and and have kid friendly events but uh for my kids, I would love for them to be able to to go to something that is both familiar to them and all of a sudden now there's these other kids who who are interested in the I, I don't even know if interested is the right word, but but feel at home there too, you know. Um and Yes,
1: exactly. It's that, kind of like when kids go to Sunday school. You know, yeah. you go once a week. Um, it's not always the same kids that are in your class. Um, you know, you meet people from other communities, but they kind of share the same vision and you're there at Sunday school and you get to know them and they become friends in a different way. Um, and your purpose is a little different. And so I think it could be something similar, um, to where all the kids come together and how great would it be if kids start coming together from other parts of the country? I mean, talk about community. That would just be amazing. I so looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it has so much potential. Like I said, as a parent who's been involved in this my entire adult life, it really excites me. And then as, you know, an organizer, as as somebody that, you know, a couple of years ago, Danielle and I kind of were like, okay, at some level, we feel this responsibility to carry it on another generation past us. Yeah. Um, with that in mind, it, it's it's a great way to accomplish that goal of keeping, you know, future generations interested in the community and the genre. However, it's, I mean, it's going to change as time moves on, but, uh, but the spirit of it can remain as long as we have another generation coming in behind us and a generation behind that. So I think the kiddie pool is a great way to, to, to make it great now and make it even better later on. So,
1: yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, um, Donnie and I wrote a swim song for the kiddie pool. And, uh, it's just about, it's just about complete, and we're really excited to uh, roll that out uh, to our, to the entire swim community and, 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 you know, different anybody. Um, but yeah, it's specific to uh, swim and it's the first of many uh, song ideas that that we have and, and we hope to uh, write for kids.
0: Yes. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear the song. And of course, anything Donnie does is going to be gold. And then I'm excited to hear your contributions to it because I'm sure it'll be good.
1: Yeah, I, I, and missing bones about it. He is he is all the music. He's the musical person. I, I'm more a, a lyrics person, but as, a, as someone
0: a as someone who has a co writing credit with Donnie, I know exactly what you're saying. So
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. He is uh, the musician. Yeah.
0: Yes, he is. But uh, you know, it's, at some point I'd love to get you and my mom together. My mom taught kindergarten and second grade forever in a day, so Oh, um, you never together. get it
1: apart. Here's what happens: is kindergarten teachers almost always drink <laughs> when they get together, yeah. and then they talk for days and days and days. And we pick apart the country and what we can do to improve it, <laughs> and, and where things were in the '60s and how they're back there now. And oh yeah, I would well, I would love to meet her
0: if we ever pull off a a, uh, a a guppy event. I'm sure my mom will will come and help with the kids because she uh she, my mom actually when Addie was six months old, my mom. With the party girl with us, because Addie, Addie had been born, and everybody was like, "We're well, going to bring her to party girl." And I was like, "How do you expect me to like run party girl and take care of the?" So my mom came, and uh it was fun. I'm glad. I'm glad she came. I'm glad Addie was there. But after that, I was like, "Okay, I can't worry about." It's in my head. I was like, "Okay, mom's going to come take care of Addie, so I don't have to worry about it." Right. No, instead of worrying about Addie, I then worried about Addie and my mom <laughs> and the event. So I was like, "Okay, that's you know."
1: That's yeah. Enough. But that's right. a great thing. And as a as a as a me mom myself, um, I've brought my Addie, my granddaughter Addie, um, to some events and house concerts. And so, yeah, I know, I know that I know that worry. But uh, it, it's great to get them involved early, though. It really is.
0: Yeah. So I'm excited about the kiddie pool and excited to see what you can do with it. So Viva Viva forward. Kristen McFadden. Viva guppies. So uh,
1: yay! <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, we'll keep our yeah. fingers. crossed. I think it's going to be great.
0: I think so, too. But to back up a little bit, I I want to talk a little bit about uh, Summer Chill, which is y'all's event in Chicago, which is a fairly new event, correct?
1: Yes. I think we would have been going on our third, maybe fourth year, fourth year. Uh, We've had a couple of venues um, and, you know, Summer Chill was interesting. We had the idea, but not the name, but we had the idea for years and years. Um, We just didn't know. Uh, when or how to put it into place. Um, and then the um, event, help me, John, the event that was in St. Louis all those years. Uh, Flipperstock. Thank you. Flipperstock, um, they had their last year. And um, we decided as a club to give it a try and and came up with the name Summer Chill. Chill being C-H-I is sh- short for Chicago and then I-L-L is Illinois. Um,
0: that's genius by the way.
1: Yeah, I know. Right. I didn't come up with that, but one of our members did, but it is genius. Um, and so we, um, the first time we did it, we, we kind of, you know, we, our expectations were not through the ceiling. Um, but we were so pleasantly surprised. It was a huge hit. It, it was beyond amazing, and um, people had so much fun. People talked about it, talked about it, talked about it. Um, the second year, we we sold out and had a great time. Um, then we had to change venues because the venue actually closed for renovations, and so we needed to change venues. Um, and about that time, um, I think some other venues in the Midwest started coming up, and what I think is happening, these are all great fests, all great events to go to. Um, but I think we have to kind of be careful because, I mean, let's face it, you know, it, it'd be awesome to, in all one year, go to Layback Attack, Fins of the West, Longstar, Lower, Ozarks Fest, Planning, you know, to go to every single You want to be there. You want to be there, but it's just not yeah. feasible.
0: We all want to be Fred Wonder.
1: Exactly, right. And, um, <laughs> right. Or Debbie has. Uh, but you know, people have to kind of pick and choose. And so, you know, people were choosing, like they were going to the surf ballroom, which I went to and was amazing by the way. Um, but so, you know, we're always kind of playing the numbers game, not in, in, in raising money, but just where's our sweet spot and how many people we can expect. You don't ever want to overshoot and make it so big and then have only, half your events sell. So, um, but I think we've found a real nice spot for it. Um, I, I love summer chill. I think it's just a great addition to all the other Midwest, um, events that have been going on. We've had people from, we've had musicians from, you know, coral reefers to, from all over the country come in. Um, my funny story about Donnie is about summer chill. Um, I love telling the story. So Bill comes to me, I think it's the second year of summer chill and and the whole crew is trying to come up with, um, ideas for um, musicians. And he says, Hey, um, I'm thinking about, um, Donnie Brewer, about Donnie Brewer. And I said, well, I'll I'll say it nicely. I said, well, who the hell is Donnie Brewer? Like I'd never heard of him. Like no one had never heard of him. The crew said, who's Donnie Brewer? He's like, no, he just kind of wants some playtime, you know, can, you know, and we're like, well, if he wants playtime, he can come, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, the rest is history, of course. You know, the, the, after that, you, know, you, hear, you hear Donnie, and, and that wasn't even the, the full band, but you hear Donnie one time, you know, and you, you're kind of intrigued. So um, we were lucky to have Donnie the last few years, and um, we brought in some people that we hadn't seen in a long time, like Bob Banerjee, like, you know, and, and John. And um, we, we've, we've just had a blast. But my favorite thing about Summer Chill, my very favorite thing about Summer Chill is introducing all the musicians to Chicago food in the green room. Like I boast the best green room in the entire country. Sorry, I know all all y'all think you have a great green room, but until you come to Summer Chill, and you're fed by us, (laughs) you don't know what a green room is like. So, um, and what I love about the green room too, uh, the Summer Chill green room is that We always have a big room and everyone comes back there. All the musicians come back there, but to hear the stories and the shenanigans in the Mm. green room is just as entertaining as the entire event. So yeah, we're hoping to have a summer chill back uh, post COVID and uh, we've got um, uh, yet another new venue um, that's working with us and we've got great things in store. We cannot wait.
0: Well, cool. And, uh, I will make summer chill sometime soon. I don't think it'll be next year because I think my dance card's already about full for next year.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, many people's are.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, I look forward to it. And the green room must be incredible because Tom Shepard brought you and your team down to the Luau this past year to run the green room at the Luau. So.
1: That's true. We've started a business. Okay, so here's our deal. Any event can hire us. And really, here's all it takes. Um, just We'll get there. And get us, let us, you know, listen to the, to the event. So, you know, our ticket, you know, hopefully that's included. Um, And then um, put, just put us up, just put us up for a couple of nights and we will give you a green, green room that you will never forget.
0: Yeah, I I get it. I mean, how do you think I end up running the stage at all these events? Same thing. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. We turned it in the Lua. We turned a closet into a green room, like literally.
0: Yes, you did. So, well, hey, I want to uh we're, we're a little short on time, so we can't go too crazy into the details. And stuff. But we got to talk about the Trap Rock Strong before you get oh, out of here. Yeah. So
1: yep.
0: you are the queen of Trap Rock Strong and you uh, do. done amazing things to help fund the uh, Trap Rock uh, Music Association Artist Relief Fund. So let's talk about that some.
1: Yeah. So, you know, three years ago when uh, Irma came through, um, uh, I was like everyone else watching it uh, devastate Key West and just feeling completely helpless. Um, And for all of our friends who've been down in Key West, you know, it's like when you get there, you feel like you're home again. And uh, whether you're there for meeting in the mines or any other any other reason, if you just go there. Um, and so I had this crazy idea to take a picture off of the, the uh, Weather Channel website and make a T-shirt out of it and just post it on social media. Um, I got permission from the president of uh, Margaritaville to use that the phrase "Parenthood," and so I came up with Parrothead Strong, We Will Rebuild." And it was not—it's not a particularly pretty T-shirt by any means, um, but it was just a way for me to say. I, don't hey you guys out there! Somehow parrot heads will come down and help you all rebuild. And um, it became a thing. And uh, I reached out to Lone Palm and wondered if there was some way I could use some t-shirt money to as a donation. And that worked out really, really well. And fast forward to now COVID, and I'm sitting on the same same uh, bar stool in my house that I was sitting in when I came up with Parrot Head Strong um, going through my social media pages and realizing how many, um, artists were losing income because all of these events and, and, um, gigs were being canceled. And so I thought, okay, there's, I I have to be able to do something. And I looked at Bill and I said, I don't know, you know, I don't want to be the t-shirt lady, but what about Trap Rockstrom? And he's like, he's like, you know, like this with his, with his rum. He's like, I think you should do it. So <laughs> um, you know, I, I so my thing was I first actually contacted Lone Palm. I wanted to see if they were able to to give money for um, COVID relief, but because it's not considered a national uh, disaster, um, it, they don't, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. So I didn't know because I knew I didn't want to be in I didn't want to be in charge of money and divvying it out to people. Um, so I reached out to Donnie actually. Um, and he suggested the TRMA Artist Relief Fund that was just starting up by you all. And I was like, okay, awesome. If someone else is going to take my money and do something wonderful with it, I can do a t-shirt. So Donnie and I came up with a design t-shirt. Um, the original design had a mask on the, on the, um, the parrot. And then we thought, okay, well, we don't want to be remembered as, you know, the virus, Right. Um and so we wanted hoping that it would sustain after this is all done with, so we we got rid of the got rid of the um the mask and came up with the tagline, Donnie came up with the tagline keeping the music alive so that the alive looks like the live when you go live on Facebook. Um so we designed the t-shirt, found a different company and um, started making a little bit of money here and there. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars and still rolling, still making money. I just got something from Mark today and, you know, uh, he received another $863 or something like that. And, uh, today he was thrilled. So, um, yeah, we're just going to keep things rolling. Um, I'm hoping down, um, so then we fit them fast forward again to meeting of the minds being canceled. And I received a uh, phone call from Donnie and, and Mike Nash. And they said, you know, some of us still have gigs down there, actually. Would you mind if we kind of use trap rock strong as like a theme like a community theme you know like to tell people if you're still willing to come down to Key West we'll be there for you and in no me no way was it meant to replace meaning in the minds or um, you know try to take over or anything it was just a show of of community and support like, Hey, we'll still go down and see you if you're going to still have your gigs in Key West at that time. Um, because anytime I can get down to Key West, I'm going. Right. So, um, so we decided to do that week as Trap Rock Strong week. Um, it's like I said, it's just support all of the musicians who have gigs on there and the local, um, musicians as well who are going to be in the, in the venues. And, uh, we're going to be bringing down some merch and I'm so happy that swim is going to, uh, be a presence down there. And what I, what I love about this is it seems like every, kind of everyone who's out there is kind of coming together, um, and, and we'll do it responsibly and socially safe. And, um, but still it's, I think it's going to be exciting.
0: Yes, it's, I'm, I'm excited. Things are coming together. It looks like, you know, knock on wood that,
1: uh, Knocking.
0: things, things are going to work out pretty well for us, uh. in in regards to Trapper Rock Strong Week in Key West. Do you have any idea, ballpark, how many shirts you sewed through Threadless with the Trapper Rock Strong?
1: You know, uh, I guess I could go back and figure that. I've never... That's a great question. I've never looked at it. I I could go back and see the orders, although the orders have several different... um, You know, lots of people order more than one item. So is that just T-shirts? What's nice about Threadless is that they have... I mean, there's... um, you know, there, there's beach towel. There's Trap Rock Strong beach towels out there in the world, and there's um, uh, travel mugs and regular mugs and and yeti cups and stickers and magnets on people's cars everywhere. Um, I love it. I love say, license plate holders. So it's right. it's not just t-shirts. Um, it's a lot. There's a lot. Um, we're hoping that everyone who's coming down to Key West and as people go out to events, we hope they wear the Trap Rock Strong. Um, t-shirts or bring their cups with them and show their support. Um, 100% of the proceeds after the, that Threadless takes their cut, I, all of that is, is going to the Artist Relief Foundation. Um, and so, and actually, we also have, from Mark Hollander, we have a, a very gracious donation of 100 koozies that um, I'm going to bring down just for Trap Rock Strong Week. I'm not telling them beforehand. So exclusive to those of you who are coming down to Key West, um, you can get a Trap Rock Strong koozie for uh, Trap Rock Strong Week. And so that money, too, is 100% profit going right to the Artist Relief Foundation. So I'm really excited about it.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you and Billy and so many more of our friends. in well, four, uh, four weeks from now, we'll be there. So.
1: I know it's I know it's right around the corner. I'm so excited. I'm it so is. excited.
0: So uh we uh we always wrap up an episode of Trap Rock 101 with some rapid fire questions. So are you ready?
1: Uh yes.
0: All right. No. What is your favorite Jimmy Buffett song?
1: Ooh, uh shoot. I'm gonna go with uh Tonight I Just Need My Guitar.
0: Oh that's a good one. I don't know that anybody's used that one yet, so like
1: it that makes me feel, it just makes me feel like you know like you like you can be sitting there by yourself, you can be alone, but you know sometimes you just need some time you just need to be with your music, so anyway that's what, that's why
0: there you go what's your favorite beach to visit
1: uh I'm gonna go with uh my oh shoot i gotta go with siesta key it's it's like my home away from home no. siesta key beach
0: Melanie Howe will love you.
1: Yeah, it's just gorgeous. I mean, seriously, when you walk on that beach, it's like you're walking on cornstarch. It is absolutely gorgeous. It's just great.
0: I, I've never been there, but it's on my bucket list.
1: Oh so. yeah, you have to go. It's it, and beautiful white, and you can see what you're swimming with in the in the in the Gulf. It's gorgeous.
0: <laughs> All right, Kenny Chesney or Bob Marley?
1: Bob Marley for sure. Although I love Kenny, love Kenny, but Bob, here's the thing: when I was in college, so that is my one regret that I didn't get to go see Bob Marley. And when he passed away, um, you know, again, I was in college, and um, I mean, we we bawled like we there were just people we just cried. And I'm a huge fan. Um, I know his songs by heart and uh, albums th- with grooves, and you know because they've been played so much. So I got to go, Bob Martin on that one.
0: All right, well Bob is uh, winning that question in a landslide historically. Oh, okay, so.
1: there you go.
0: So here's a tough one: What is your favorite song by an independent trap rock artist?
1: Oh, dang! Um, wow. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of uh, time that you're gonna to have to fill. <laughs> okay, wait, <laughs> my favorite. song. Okay, I right now, right now. My favorite song is the is the wave by uh, Eric Erman and Donnie Brewer.
0: I like that. That's a that's a great answer. So yeah. Okay, what is your favorite Buffett album?
1: I'm going to go with "Son of a Sun because it was the first one. So I have fond memories of it. I just, it, yeah, it was, it's like the one that I played over and over and over again.
0: Okay. What's your favorite cocktail?
1: Ah, that would be Irish whiskey with a splash of diet coconut.
0: There we go. And you're having one right now. Oh yeah. And uh, here is the big question. If you were gonna build a Mount Rushmore of independent trap rock artists, what four faces would you put on that Mount Rushmore?
1: Oh, all right. Um uh Jerry Diaz, Jim Morris. Uh I would go with wait, I, I know this is a weird question. Living, non-li I, it like it could be any four, right? Any, any four, yes. Um Let's see. My other two, I'm going to go Sunny Jim, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of a, a variety. And I will go, who's my fourth one? Um, I'm going to go Mike Miller. Mike Miller.
0: I think you were the first person to go Mike Miller, but I like yeah. that answer. Yeah, that's, I like Mike. That's a good Illinois answer, too.
1: I know I have to do Midwest, right? Yeah. Bring a little Midwest to to it.
0: So, and the last question, if you were going to add one more person to that Mount Rushmore, a non-artist from the community, somebody who is off stage, who would it be?
1: uh, Someone who's off. What do you mean by off stage? Uh,
0: uh, Just a huge fan or it can be a radio person, an event organizer, somebody like that.
1: Yeah. Um, Wow, there's there's uh, there's so many great people behind the scenes, like so many great people. Um I Oh shoot. Wow, that's a tough one for me. Mm. Non-trap people. I'm going to go with um I'm going to go with Chad Stewart.
0: <laughs> okay. I don't know who this is. you got to explain now.
1: <laughs> okay. So Chad, he does the sound and the lighting. He does the sound and the lighting for, um, in his real job, he does it for like Peter Mayer and band and, or Journey, or he does it for a lot of different bands and stuff. Okay. But here's what I love about Chad. We've reached out to him about these kinds of, you know, sound issues, lighting issues or whatever. And even though he works with these, with big people and medium people and, you know, like, you know, real popular and, and not so popular, right. he will just sit with you and he will just give you the time of day like you're the biggest star ever. He's just really, really great at um, giving his expertise to just a layman like for us for summer chill or, or whoever, you know, if you guys called him, he'd be like, Oh, here's what I think, you know, have you thought about this or that's a great idea. If you just tweak this, he's just, I don't know. He's just so down to earth and of all the people that I know, and he works like with like he's worked with like Kenny Chesney and still he'll sit and have breakfast with you. And like, you've known him for a million years. He's just a really good guy. Ah,
0: I may have to uh, to talk to this guy sometime.
1: Yeah, I'll introduce you. Yeah, okay, he's. Cool. I'll connect you guys. He's awesome.
0: All right. Well, Kristen, thank you very much for joining me, and thank you for being flexible on the scheduling. Uh, oh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: I have so much enjoyed getting to know you and Billy in the last couple of years, and uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun uh, while we work on swim and, and drop rock strong and everything else. So, I, I agree. See it, you is soon. Just,
1: it has just been a blast, and thank you so much for everything, and, yeah, stay in touch. All right, thank you. All right, thanks, John. All right, bye-bye.